Property Matters on Dublin South FM. You can contact the show on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Your host for today is myself, Carol Tallon, and we are, of course, still recording remotely. And today we're marking, or this week, we're marking Construction Safety Week 2020. So first up to join us is Dermot Carey, Director of Safety Training and Skills at the Construction Industry Federation Ireland. Dermot, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Karen. Thanks for having me on uh, on this on this week. Uh, well, do you know, do you know, it's interesting. Construction. Um, uh, look, as uh, somebody put it to me this week, um, every week is safety week on construction sites, but it is important uh, to have this week or this year or annual focus. So, Dermot, you might just actually take a step back and we'll explain what construction safety week is for anybody who hasn't. Uh, being familiar with it. Yeah, thanks, Carol. And you, you actually used a phrase there that an ex-boss of mine used to use all the time, that, that every week is Construction Safety Week. But, speci- yeah. but specifically this week, um, we, for the last number of years, we have put a, a, a refocus on safety and really ramped up the message in relation to uh, ensuring the sites are kept safe and have a big focus on both safety and health, and I suppose health has been an area that we maybe not have focused too much on previously, but we're trying to address that at the moment, just looking at our programme for this week. Two days uh, are are committed to, one, to mental health, welfare and well-being in construction. That was yesterday. And tomorrow, Wednesday, will be focused on occupational health in construction. So the purpose of, of the week is to re-energise the focus on safety. Um I've worked with the construction industry now for 21 years and at the time I was taken on it was to work with the safety department and the CIF to really begin to drive safety and health in the construction sector and I suppose the evolution over 20 years has been has seen I I believe to be a fairly major change in the construction industry and the levels of awareness and compliance have risen we still have issues and we, we can't get away from that and you know, I suppose for the last six or seven months, we've been focusing on COVID-19. But um, mm. that being said, there's been no fatalities in the construction industry from COVID-19. But we have 11 fatalities this year in the construction sector. Um, so and that's that's related to the day-to-day type of operations that we're, we're normally aware of, such as work at heights, and we'll be focusing on work at heights on Thursday. Uh, but mm-hmm. we've had f- um, five fatalities from falls in the construction industry this year. Uh, we've had two from mobile plant accidents. Um, so today we've got to focus on mobile plant. So the purpose of the week is to re-energise the management of safety, to engage with all those who are working in the industry, to try and, um, I suppose, refocus them on the dangers that are there. People get complacent. Um, I'm probably the worst in the world at that myself, and I'm in the industry. I painted my own house, and my wife came out to me when I was on day two. She said, you you know, you're just hanging off that ladder. Um, And she was right. So people do get complacent, and this is an opportunity for people to refocus, and that's what this week is all about. 
That, that's an interesting <clears throat> one when you talk about your own experience doing this, because obviously you're living this day in, day out. Um, and so is it a case that when you leave uh, the work environment and you come home, there's a different view of safety or is it that we feel, you know, perhaps one thing I've noticed about construction and I see this from the farming um from the farming community as well because there are some works that are extremely dangerous and people have a heightened awareness of those that sometimes when things are perceived as less dangerous so maybe not working at height but maybe working just slightly elevated then people almost have a a different perception or they they don't take it um, in the same safety way would that be fair to say? I think it is. It's it's kind of a human, a human, a normal human reaction is a little bit of complacency when people are working, exposed to uh, risks all the time that they can a little bit complacent to that. Um, you mentioned the farming community, and I think one of the positives from people we we've obviously a lot of people who work in the construction industry, but who are also farmers and they do farming at the yeah. weekend. Um, but I think they benefit from the the major focus that they they get in the construction industry, and hopefully they bring that home. And I think they do; they bring that ethos home. Um, I did have a friend previously who worked for a large company in Derry, and he, he used to say that. Um, he knew those who, when he walked around his local area, he knew those who worked in his company because um, they were the guys who were out cutting grass with ear defenders on and safety boots on because they built up that culture. I hope that's what's happening within the construction sector and that's what we're trying to do. Um, but, in, yeah. but inevitably, now and then, people need a reboost and this is what Construction Safety Week is designed to do, is to give them that reboost and refocus. Okay, and that's and that's obviously welcome. And um, so you mentioned there at the at the start of the show that so far in the industry in twenty twenty there have been eleven fatalities. How does that compare with recent years? Um, well, it's an increase, and that's the concern, Carol. Now there are three of those that were, I suppose, and I, and I hate to get into this, but they get a bit contentious uh, mm. um, in that. Uh, you might remember the there was a. A car crash up in up in um, Donegal, where three people, mm. uh, the car went in uh, into the sea, um, because mm. it was in the environs of of roadworks. Currently, it's deemed to be a construction accident. So that that aside, there are still eight fatalities in the industry, and I think we had eight fatalities in total last year. Um, so it is of concern, and hence, you know, the the fear is that the focus moves totally to COVID nineteen. And we have to manage that and we have procedures put in place to deal with that. But we need to refocus back on the hazards and risks that are in the construction industry and haven't gone away because we are now trying to deal with COVID again. And this is an opportunity to do that. While we're, um, we're, we have identified themes for each day, um, which are traditional team, themes in the construction sector and related to what we know are the 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 high level accidents and and the fatalities, we are interweaving messages about COVID nineteen all the way through, um, because obviously we're trying to now deal with that as well. Yeah, I mean, actually, before we came on air, we were just discussing that, Jeremy, uh, because you of course joined us last year uh, for Construction Safety Week. So you know, since since last year, and particularly in the last six months, your job must have changed. It, it must be almost um, not recognisable to to the role that you were playing, you know, this time a uh, year ago when we spoke. So 
COVID-19 has been spoken about a lot in the context of construction, but also for those outside of the industry, there has been some maybe frustration and lack of understanding that construction was allowed to continue for essential works during the first lockdown. And now as we're going into uh, level five lockdown for, for six weeks, um, that will bring us right up to the 1st of December. Um, you know, I, I just saw online again the same frustration uh, in much the same way as some people are frustrated that schools are allowed to remain open and creches are allowed to remain open. Uh, people have been frustrated that the construction industry allowed to remain open and um, I suppose from my point of view, that looks like maybe a lack of awareness as to this health and safety culture within construction that has primed people to be able to cope with COVID-19 measures. You know, is that a fair reflection of the culture within the industry? I think it is. Um, you're right in that when we spoke last year, uh, if you said to me social distancing, I would be wondering, what are you talking about? I have no idea. Um We've had to ramp up extremely quickly in our level of knowledge with regard to COVID-19. And uh, as you rightly point out, as an industry, we are very lucky that we have within our membership um, extremely well-qualified health and safety professionals who work for our members and who are part of our health and safety committee. Um, and they have been the core to putting together the standard operating procedures that we've done uh, to, to get the construction industry back to work. And we were one of the first industries back on May the 18th. Um, we closed on, I think it was the 27th of, of March. So we have a wealth of experience and that experience has been growing as um, the months have progressed. And from the, the safety committee used to meet on a monthly basis uh, during the height of the pandemic and we were meeting every day and we're back now to meeting three times a week. So there's, there's uh, behind the safety culture within the construction sector, we have all of this professional advice and guidance that has been put in place. We're constantly updating our SOP and as well as that, we developed an online induction programme Currently, about 200,000 people have gone through that uh, related to COVID-19. So the industry was very quick to react and put in place those structures. And we meet with the HSE on a weekly basis and they constantly update us in relation to statistics for the industry. And statistics for the industry are being measured not by the construction sector, but by the HSE and their epidemiological section. So they report to us uh, in relation to the numbers within the sector, and they actually are on the decrease uh, and quite low. Um, so therefore, that information is available to government, and it's on that basis that the government makes its decision that the construction industry can stay open and is deemed to be an essential service. Okay, and that's that's um, that's not just important; that's critical for the survival of so many businesses. Because you know, in my day job, I work with um, developers and construction businesses, and one thing I know is that um, the the initial shutdown was exceptionally difficult for people. And you know, so when the CIF safety protocols came out, 
you know, people really embraced them. And there was, I, I have never seen, you know, I would go beyond the term goodwill. You know, the, this it's become a bit of a cliche to say we're all in this together. But there was a huge feeling, certainly across the construction industry that, that I was uh, working with, that, you know, they, there was a huge feeling that uh, there was a weight of responsibility on their shoulders, um, that they were allowed to, to reopen, but that, um, obviously any slips would have them called have this called into question because I think last night uh, somebody on your team posted on, on LinkedIn that being able to stay open as an industry during the level five lockdown is is a, a massive privilege with a, that comes with a huge amount of responsibility and and Unfortunately, the industry is made up of lots and lots of people and lots and lots of businesses. So we need for absolutely every single individual on site that's employed by by every business to take this responsibility on their own shoulders. Because um, for, um, from what you're telling me there with the HSE, the reality is that if um, construction sites are seen to to at any stage become breeding grounds for this virus, then they will not be allowed to remain open. Is that the that reality? Is the reality. We're under constant scrutiny, and we we don't resent that. We we believe that that's that's the way it should be. Um, and mm-hmm. as you rightly say, there are one hundred and fifty thousand people directly employed in the construction sector, plus another fifty thousand indirectly that are are um, who depend on the construction industry in order to make their living. So it's it's incumbent on all of us and. Um, to ensure that we have this privilege of staying open. That, privi- that privilege has been earned and it's been earned by people working safely and complying with, with guidelines. I'm not saying that we're perfect uh, and there are issues and you're mm. perfectly right to identify things like personal responsibility. Um, it is the responsibility of all the organisations working in the construction sector to comply with the SOP. Uh, the, the standard operation procedure and ensure that they're implementing it. It's also the responsibility of those working in the industry uh, and their own personal responsibility to take those on as well. And particularly we point out when they're not at work, um, so when people are travelling to and from work and when they're in their own communities to ensure that they're doing so mm. safely and protecting both their colleagues and their friends. So yes, I know that phrase is a bit worn, we're all in this together, but that's the reality in the construction sector, that we are all in this together. And we're, as I say, we're constantly under scrutiny um, and people should take some solace from that, that that's a good thing. Um, but mm-hmm. um, we, in, in the event that there is a slip and uh, a level of non-compliance uh, slip begins to slip in, then there that there always is that concern that we could be closed. Yeah, and uh, what you don't want to see is a small cohort um, shutting down the entire industry, which is a very real threat. Um, you know, actually, we talked there about personal responsibility, and you know, this brings me to something that we're seeing in in the industry at the moment, and 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 by the way, in the wider um, in across wider society, the. The level of responsibility on people at the moment is having a huge impact on mental health. And we know that as part of the CIF Construction Safety Week for the past, I think, four or five years, um, as well as occupational health, mental health has has become a theme of the week, one of the five themes of the week, which we welcome. And our next guest, um, uh, clinical uh, hypnotherapist, Fakra Morrison, is going to talk about this in depth. 
but I see that um, the CIF are actually partnering with the Lighthouse Club and have launched a new app and helpline for the sector. So you might just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Carol. We've begun to focus on mental health. Um, this has been a theme that we've been trying to address since probably 2015, sorry, 14, when we we partnered with Piet House for the first time to promote uh, uh, to promote mental health and well-being. Um, mental health has been part of the Construction Safety Week since 2016, and it's been one of the themes that's probably got most engagement. Um, men are not the best at speaking about their feelings and their concerns so that's something we've been trying to address and Rory from Rory Stories has been our champion there uh, for the last two years uh, trying to connect with people as he talked about his issues and hopefully people would understand that uh, it's okay not to be okay but if that's the case you need to seek help but in relation to the Lighthouse Club, the Lighthouse Club is a charity, a construction industry charity, uh, it's been around for quite some time and it's been a charity whereby they they um, they they provide services for people who have fought, fallen on hard times. But more recently, uh, the Lighthouse Club has developed a service uh, to provide assistance for people in the construction sector. And in June this year, along with the CIF, the Lighthouse Charity uh, launched the Construction Industry Helpline which is a helpline dedicated to the construction industry and anybody working in the construction industry who feels they need help and need to reach out to try and get that help. Um, and they've also launched an app, um, which can be downloaded from the app store. Uh, people put in construction industry helpline, they can download it. And that app connects with people on a day-to-day basis as long as you've got the phone. Um, uh, well, so as long as you've downloaded it on the phone, uh, it asks you how you're feeling. And in the event that you indicate that you're not feeling well, it directs you to some help. So, yeah, this is a, a very exciting uh, initiative. And yesterday was, was I think, we had a, a number of uh, interventions during the day because yesterday was constructed. We were focusing on mental health. Um, but this, mm-hmm. is a, this is another um, piece of the jigsaw that we're putting together to try and uh, help people working in the construction sector. Last year, we we launched an initiative called Build Health within the construction industry. Um, I suppose the tagline there is a strong foundation for a healthy life. And part of that is is a realisation within the industry that we need to focus on health. It is the sciences, health and safety, but we've been focusing on safety for quite some time. Um, so the Lighthouse Club and the intervention there is very much welcome uh, and we'll be working with the Lighthouse Club uh, to roll that out over the next uh, period of time to ensure that everybody within the industry understands that that help is available and it's a free of charge. German, I'm delighted to hear that and we will of course circulate um, the app and um, contact details for that service as well because we know that at any given time yeah, the construction industry can be a pressured one, um, but during COVID, these pressures are particularly heightened. So it's something that we take exceptionally seriously. It's something that we want people in the industry to know that there's help available. So um, I, I welcome the interventions there by the CIF. And 
Dermot, thank you so much for joining us today. That was Dermot Carey, Director of Safety Training and Skills at Construction Industry Federation Ireland. Um, again, this is Construction Safety Week. Uh, after the break, we'll be talking to clinical hypnotherapist Fiacre Morrison about the, the mental health aspects of this. We need to take a quick break now. Stay tuned. 93.9 Dublin South FM. Welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. So now I'm joined by a, a regular guest of the show, Fia Morrison, expert hypnotherapist at the Dublin Hypnosis and Therapy Centre. Fia welcome back. It's been a few months since we spoke last. Well, it certainly has and so much has happened in that time. And uh, But it's, it's great to be back on your show again. And, um, well, yeah. I'm delighted. I'm delighted to have you because actually just as we were preparing to come on air, uh, it, it dawned on me that actually it had been, um, you know, a couple of months since you since you were with us last. Mm. And, you know, one of the things we did almost two years ago when we started this show was, you know, we committed to speaking about positive mental health uh, in the construction industry and, um you know, that that's something that we were very committed to. And it's funny, over the chaos of the last number of months, I realised that actually we haven't been as regular in having this conversation. So the Construction Industry Federation Safety Week has really brought us to task, as well as all of the businesses across um, the construction sector, yeah. uh, for which I'm very grateful. So, Fiegra, look, you rightly said, you know, a, a lot has happened in the last few months. I mean, has there has there really been a time when people have been so stressed and this swirl of uncertainty? I mean, the only thing I can compare it to is the crash um, a decade ago. But in some ways, this is so much worse because of the the physical health impacts. So I, I suppose, first of all, through the Dublin Hypnosis and Therapy Centre, how are you finding things at the moment for uh, yourselves, your team and indeed for your clients? Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. Um, there, there hasn't been really a time in the past when um, when people have experienced something like this. Um, I think I was thinking back to the Second World War was probably the last time when globally um, in such a in such numbers that people were affected um, to the degree that to the degree that um, they are now at the moment. Um, but I think um, how we're how we're managing um, in the clinic, um, we're I think this is it's really been a time where we've really had to pick up our game because so many people are are responding to to our advertising and that to let them know that we are there to help them in this time that that it's not just it's not just a matter of people who maybe who want to stop smoking or who want to do the normal things like that but it's the anxiety and the powerlessness that mm -hmm. people feel and it's i think that it's it resonates through pr pretty much all the industries and particularly the building um, industry because it has been such a huge impact um on on the on the, this industry um, in particular. Yeah, and uh, I know just from speaking to you uh, before we came on air that you've successfully transitioned your therapeutic services online, which is amazing. Um, but how how is that impacting, I suppose, the relationship between you and not just maybe your existing clients, but for any new clients you've taken on during this period that you might only have met online? Well, it's been quite a, 
a rapid transition because in back in in March when we when all of this hit, um, we we went off off um, we went on to online sessions, and what we found almost immediately was that the the number of men that were actually coming to see us online had had dramatically increased, and. And uh, uh, we had spoken before about this, about the, the stigmatization of therapy and men looking for help. And I think because, like, while while the male our male clients would have been a, a, a fraction of what the, our female uh, clients would have been, but since we went online, that has really changed. And okay. I think it's because in the past, like when when. When people had to go to an office, there was there was a lot. It became a chore at times, but now that we're online, that that it's it's no longer that big effort that has to be taken. That they can sit in the comfort of their own home, and and just like have a chat over the over the over the phone or online, because yeah, and because they're in the comfort of their own home, that they feel secure. That they they can relax. They can actually kind of it's more. I suppose more familiar, more friendly for them, and yeah. and because of that, our, like hyp- hypnotherapy is, it's really powerful, and it's a powerful tool that allows us as therapists to to work with with that subconscious mind to just to give the effective suggestions to help people create changes, you know, to make their life better, and yeah. because we don't need physical contact, it it doesn't have any negative impact by going online. It's actually much more powerful because people can relax that bit more. And Yeah, that's depth. really interesting. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have even thought that making the transition. It's one thing about uh, therapy, but hypnotherapy and hypnosis in particular, um, doing that online. And, you know, this might be a really inappropriate uh, parallel to make, but it reminds me of the old-fashioned confessionals <laughs> in Catholic churches, mm-hmm. you know, where there was just that, screen you know it's been a while since i've visited one but that screen <laughs> between um the priest and, and um you know the 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 uh parishioner and you know there was something to be said for you know that that almost uh, uh an almost an artificial sense of removed distance mm-hmm. you know in the same way that sometimes it can be so much easier to talk to a stranger okay, yeah. than, than somebody you know very well and you know uh, actually it's interesting i saw on on linkedin um there was a coffee shop and uh, a coffee shop just in the last number of months talking about their outdoor seating and they said that they have a number of seats that they they don't put facing each other but that the table sits so that if there's two people having chat over coffee, both of their backs are to the wall looking out onto the uh-huh. street. Mm. And they did this deliberately because they were they were reading research that showed that um, men in particular tend to have deeper conversations if they're not facing each mm-hmm. other. And I thought that was really interesting. And I thought it was amazing for this coffee shop in Dublin to actually acknowledge this and position their seats so that people sitting down, actually it might prompt a deeper conversation that might than might otherwise have been had, and taking the therapeutic um, sessions online seems like almost a natural progression of that. It actually is, and far be it from me now to compare myself to any confessions or, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but like I mean, with like confessions, we still have that kind of seal of confidentiality as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, one of the 
one of the great things about um, being online is the flexibility of being able to work with people wherever they are. Because, and I know, like, I mean, I, I know so many people in the in the building industry, um, and they're working all sorts of mad hours. That they well, particularly at the moment mm. with um, phased work and with teams actually working. So we actually have almost shift work in construction that really we haven't seen outside of specialist Absolutely, sectors yeah. um, in decades. It's It's been a real transition. But for the people coming to you, Fiacra, and obviously I wouldn't ask you just to disclose anything confidential, but, you know, in terms of, you know, you mentioned there that, you know, maybe prior to to COVID, a lot of your core work might have been things like uh, to quit smoking or smoking cessation or weight loss. Um, you know, in in terms of the increase in people with uh, extreme maybe levels of anxiety, you know, what kind of things are you seeing at the moment? Are you able to get a read on the impact that COVID nineteen is having? Oh, on absolutely, people? and it, it's it's very easy just to let's say to take anxiety and say, oh, let, let's just oh, we see a lot of people with anxiety, but there are so many elements in even that um, cohort. Because anxiety can be that sense of powerlessness. It can be um, where they just lost loss of control, not being able to make their own decisions, not being able to work when they want to work. Um, and, and these are things that that can also lead into the sense of loss and loss of their identity, loss of their relationships even, because when people suddenly now you have to work from home, all of that social aspect of working, that social aspect where, where they were actually able to meet people and just enjoy life, um, even in that work environment, that now they're without that, that they're now confined to a very small space, the four walls even. And, and Okay. And I mean, can you talk us through what what the impact of that is, you know, so for example, like how is that actually manifesting in people in terms of their basic needs? You know, are they sleeping? You know, has diet changed? Because we hear so much and we hear it almost in, in, um, not not comical, but, you know, it's dealt with in a way that belies its seriousness um, about how people's eating habits and sleeping habits and exercising habits have changed. And for some people, they've changed dramatically for the better but for a lot of people, they've changed dramatically for the for the worse. Mm-hmm. You know, so are, are you seeing how this anxiety is manifesting in people's Absolutely. lives? Absolutely. Like, I mean, e- even for for those who um, who 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 want to live that healthy life, but just can't because they're not because they can't get out to gyms and they can't get out to do the the normal things that they would have done before. That obviously, yes, and as you said, it is kind of like you know, kind of that humorous way but people have put on so much more weight not so much because they're eating more but because of the because they have more time to eat and they mm-hmm. like I mean, that the frustrations that the that loss of power like sometimes it's just comfort eating it's the only way that they can feel in control and and yeah. for, for 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 those those of us therapists who who are dealing with that it's it's it can be quite difficult. I mean, we understand for our clients to come in with these things. And what I, what I would love to kind of really put out there is that as therapists, all we're here is to, to, to facilitate and to help people to, to really to bring that balance back into their lives. Because 
when when people have that you know the anxieties and they have the that eating and the, the drinking or the the smoking or whatever it might be that we can we can bring back some of that balance we can bring back some of that balance because in this situation when people are out of control you don't you can't control your life like there's other people telling you what you have to do and what you can't do and what you must do and mm-hmm. that loss of of control is having a huge impact and by bringing back that balance that sense of control even even recognizing look i don't have any control is actually letting them take back some of the control yeah, it, 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 there's such a, a strange set of circumstances here. So, you know, the fact that we have this overarching public health worry and, you know, one thing I've noticed very, very much is that um, how people are responding to to the situation we're in at the moment it depends absolutely if they or anyone, anyone close to them is impacted from a health perspective. If they are then what I'm seeing is the experience is very different to those who are suffering maybe financially or those who are suffering uh, because of loss of freedoms and restricted movement. You know, and, and to me, I'm, I'm just seeing in the people that I'm in contact with that I can see that they're three very different set of circumstances and they're three very different mm-hmm. impacts uh, on the body and on uh, the psyche. And, you know, it's it's so much to take in and you know particularly even this week even as we're having this conversation you know we know that there's a conversation happening we know that there's a decision about moving to a more extreme level of restrictions uh, which is likely to put further pressure you know realistically and Fikra we we have about five minutes so I you mm-hmm. know I, I don't expect you to be a miracle worker but you know, what can people be doing to even get some sense of relief, even if it's only to help them sleep a little better, eat a little better, slow down, speak to somebody. Because one of the things, um, and I'm making a terrible generalisation here, I know, but the reality is our construction sector is still predominantly male, predominantly um, people who are self-employed or might have carry a lot of responsibility for themselves for their team, uh, for their staff, they may be the only source of income in their family. So they they've got they're carrying responsibility in so many different directions, and for a lot of times they carry this almost alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so from that point of view, they don't have somebody that they can speak to in a very um, almost to almost unburden themselves because they don't want to do it in a team situation maybe they don't want to go home and do it in a family situation um, and they might be aware that many of their friends and their close circle are in similar if not worse situations so where I, I mean is there a level of unburdening that needs to happen? Well certainly um, because because everybody is going through their own personal um, experience with this um, but I think the first thing to realize is, look, one, that it's global, that you're not the only one, that everyone is being affected. And but that doesn't help those who are suffering financially or, you know, having to pay bills and how to because, you know, kind of they have families to, to feed and they have the responsibilities of, of just being um, part of the, the, the family and part of society. And. Mm-hmm. 
the, the best thing that you can do after kind of realizing, look, there's nothing you can do. This is the way it is. And because we can't do anything, let's now do something together. And that unburdening, it's a bit going back to the confessional. It's, it, you know, our therapies, our online therapy is, is a facility that people can use just to, rea- just to find out, look, what can I do? And for most of us, it's really just bringing that balance back. We have a, we have a facility, we have a technique where, where we can just bring that balance so that they can get at least a good solid base where there is no miracles. There's no, there's no surefire or, you know, kind of across the board answer to, to this because there's so many different elements, there's so many different levels. But for, for people really just mm-hmm. to, to know, look, you're doing, you're doing everything that you can to, 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 to work through this. And we can only work with what we, what we already know. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know, the, the, it, it's become almost a cliche, and yet it's so important. You know, this um, the the parallel that's drawn to somebody in a in a aircraft. You know, to put on your own mask first, um, in terms of breathing, and it's so important. You know, again, it's an overused cliche. We talk about you know, you can't help others if you don't help yourself first, and yet self care, I think. And I, I'm going to say, I, I, typically for Irish men as well, I, I feel like self-care equated to selfishness. This just wasn't something they did. And to, to change that conversation, to see self-care as being one of the most selfless things that you can do for your family and for your business and for your community, mm-hmm. it's the only way to keep yourself strong. and and take. But it, it's something that I don't think comes naturally and we would be here forever discussing the reasons as to why that is. Um, but the reality is that yeah. needs to change. And so that's why it's, it's so heartening to see with Construction Safety Week that positive mental health has become a core focus of that um, over the last number of years. And it, indeed, it's one of the themes on one of the five days. That's how important it is. And I think it's really, it, you know, it's a great starting point that's for it. the conversation. But we need to give people the permission to carry this conversation on, you know, today, tomorrow and every day thereafter that. Um, but before we let you go, Fikra, do you have any uh, tips for people just really to kind of keep them balanced and keep them, I, I suppose, to get, have a sense of perspective? Well, I think with, with, with everything that is being with the, with the news that, that, are, that are coming out every nearly every day with the that really all all we have is is the opportunity just to just accept look there's nothing we can do we can just do what we have to mm-hmm. do to kind of to keep each other safe keep um but as you said like i mean it's look after yourself first that self-care is such such a big important part because you can't help anybody if if you're if you're not well yourself and really like um and we as i said we have the we have this facility we have this system here um, and and again, I'll throw it out to you, to all your listeners that those who want to partake of it, if you contact us, we'll we'll be certainly be able to help you. And like I mean, we we will give a twenty percent discount for all those who are coming in through this show. Uh, uh, thank you so much. Actually, we haven't discussed that in advance, um, yeah. but I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Will you give your contact details? Yeah, um, again? our website is um, hypnosisandtherapy.ie. And our contact number is zero one four five zero 
8923 and we'll 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 get back to you and um and speak with you and just basically to give you give you a direction Okay, Fiacre, that's very generous as well to offer that discount. Again, we hadn't discussed that before the show or anything, but I, I genuinely appreciate that because I would love for people even to feel that they could make the first point of contact, even if it's only for that initial unburdening, and then see what opportunities it, lie ahead. Um, so I genuinely appreciate that. And as always, I appreciate your time and insights. And again, it's the most important thing that I can say about this is that we shouldn't just be having this conversation once yeah. a year uh, for safety week you know this is an ongoing conversation and i'm genuinely grateful that that um you are so forthcoming and sharing with us fiacre so that was fiacre morrison expert hypnotherapist at the dublin hypnosis and therapy center um we have to take another break now stay tuned 93.9 dublin south fm and welcome back to property matters on dublin south fm with myself carol Tallon. you can contact us on twitter at iproperty radio or by email at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. so I'm now joined by Eamon Kenny, Regional EHS Manager at John Paul Construction, to further the conversation that we've been having so far today about construction safety. Eamon, thank you so much for joining us today. Carol, very nice to join you and I'm delighted to be to be invited in to share some uh, knowledge on mental health and well-being and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm delighted to be online yeah. with you. No, I, and thank you so much for joining us. And, um, you know, Eamon, one of the points that's come up today a lot is... Um, you know, the, the importance of health and safety on site all the time um, in construction. This isn't, it's great to have the annual focus, but obviously this is something that's an imperative every minute of every day that people are on site. And, you know, it's great to see that mental health has has become such an important part of the health and safety campaign. But I suppose before we get into that aspect of things, um, I, I, I'd love to talk to you about how, your site teams at John Paul Construction are, are, I suppose, coping with working alongside COVID-19 over the past number of months. Did you, were, first of all, were you open? Um, did you have many essential sites ongoing during the first lockdown? Yeah, Carol, I guess, look, the last nine or 10 months has been very challenging for every industry out there and construction is no different to, to any other industry. We've been quite fortunate, I suppose, throughout the, the height of the pandemic in last April and May. Um, we had about three essential, three to four essential projects that were pr primarily healthcare uh, facilities that we were building. So they, they did remain open. Um, a lot of our work was done remotely as everyone else was. And we were all those people working from home and challenges that that brings itself. And construction is probably unique in the industry that the, the work is done on the ground uh, with the people. It's, it's hands on uh, all the time. So when we got back working on the 23rd of um, May, there was a quite a big relief. Um, there was quite a big appetite to get things done right and done correctly and, and the, the challenges that people have overcame and the new control measures that we have on sites and everything, it's, it's a, it's really is a different world compared to where we were this time last year or, or, or last uh, pre-COVID, January, February. So people, yeah, people it's, it's almost it's almost inconceivable, the changes. So actually, on, on a day to day, like how did you prepare? Because as regional um, <clears throat> health and safety manager, how did you prepare the teams to return to site in, in late May? So I suppose we had to collaboratively. We, we worked together between myself and uh, my direct boss, Mike McLaughlin, who's the group health and safety manager for John Paul. He's heavily involved with the CIF and we set up, a, um, I suppose, a, a group committee within John Paul Construction to feed in 
any best practice and, and, and feed into the CIF's COVID response plan. So we had to develop our own response plans detailed specifically to each each site because each site is very different. We, they all have their own different constraints and they might have different uh, entry and exit points and you, you'll have varying client requirements. So there was a lot of pre-planning. We had a lot of Teams meetings, Skype meetings, video conferences. We had a lot of policies and procedures to update but in the main it was very I won't say it was easy but it was the appetite was there for people to get back to work people wanted to work and the people on the ground the operatives themselves were eager to get back in and do what they do best and and work and work safely and in 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 fairness to everybody it's been it has been hard and difficult to to get back but in the same time it's been quite easy to to manage it in one respect because people are they want to stay safe and, and construction sites are no different to any other industry. We, we want to stay open and we want to remain open. And in doing so, we, we need to we need to keep our feet on the ground and keep everything safe, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, look, during the, the initial lockdown back in May, you know, we know uh, or kind of from March to <clears> May, you know, we are aware of. Uh, we're aware of businesses that were really struggling, that they just about held on. Um, and I don't know if they could have survived six weeks. You know, we're about to embark now at level five uh, for six weeks. Now, construction has already been confirmed, will be allowed to remain open as an essential service. If that had, you know, that's only because of the proven ability to comply with COVID restrictions and to remain safe. You know, that's been shown over the last number of months mm. since May. Um, but there are many businesses that quite simply could not have survived six weeks um, being locked down. So suddenly health and safety has always been important. But there's a there's an added imperative when the survival of the business <coughs> depends on it and, and people's income depends on it. Um, and I think that that really served to focus people's mind as well. But we know that people, humans, were not perfect. and And also, you know, no matter how... Uh, well, we adhere to the rules. You know, this is a pervasive virus, yes. so we cannot stop. Yeah. We cannot completely eliminate it. Um, so, how are you coping with? Uh, I presume there have been some instances of uh, positive uh, identification of the virus on sites. Yeah, I guess. Um, Karen, to be fair, it's been a very collaborative approach that the construction mm-hmm. industry and the subcontractors, like we, we'd be the main contractor on all our jobs and. We'd have overall responsibility for all health and safety and well-being on the on the jobs, but the subcontractors have played a vital part in in keeping the projects open. They all have their own COVID officers. They all have their own COVID response plans. They're taking personal responsibility for their own organisations within that, and we're overseeing it all. So, it really is a collaborative approach. People need to work together on it. <clears throat> it's not something that can we can eradicate, um, but it is something we can definitely learn to live with. And it's something we have to learn to live with. We, got, we don't know how long this is going to be around. We've probably, we've introduced varying things from all temperature checks, pre-travel questionnaires, uh, screening questionnaires before people come in. We're updating posters regularly where we have voiceovers on sites. Um, that's not just us, that's subcontractors doing it as well. So mm-hmm. it really has been a very, you know, working together and and, and staying apart for one for one want of a better phrase that's that's our slogan it's work together stay apart for the two meter social distancing but it's it's taken it, it does take a quite a lot of effort by the teams on the site but when people work together and they stick to the guidelines it's proven to be 
successful. There has been cases, um, but the construction industry, there was only something released uh, last week, <coughs> excuse me, by the CIF. And they were, um, the cases in the construction industry are very low as opposed to other, I guess, areas that's out there. So we have been, um, I suppose, not just lucky, we've been successful in, in maintaining a low level of transmission rate within the industry. And that's something that needs to be acknowledged and needs to be brought forward in through the winter months, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Eamon, we discussed the, the protocols that were put in place uh, with the CIF and, of course, John Paul Construction fed into that in collaboration with the HSE. Um, have those, have the safety protocols that were envisaged, you know, in, in May, have they needed to change or have they needed to evolve um, as as activity ramped <clears throat> up on sites? Yeah, definitely. I think um, when we all sat down or, well, virtually sat down around the table on, on yeah. Skype last uh, March when we were developing COVID response plans for sites, they have um, most definitely updated and, and um, evolved since then. We have, from temperature check-in, future um, even risk assessments and method statements, they're a lot more detailed and, um, you know, tasks are, are planned and coordinated in a way that we are now, you know, eliminating um, people in areas as programs are taking a, an effect on it where we're, we're eliminating other trades out of work areas so we can allow social distancing to continue and we can allow um, people to work in a safe environment, which is something that I guess last March we probably wouldn't have um, planned for. But through wanting the, the industry to remain open and remain um, a live environment, we have to we have to do what's right for people and we have to do what's right for our, our organizations. And construction companies have have successfully done that and, and people have um, have done it very well. So thankfully, it, it has remained open and we're very happy to be still working as of the new restrictions announced last night. And we will remain to, to hopefully stay open. Yeah, no, absolutely, Eamon. And um, in terms of, I suppose, productivity and uh, planned outputs for 2020, have you any idea where John Paul construction lies at the moment? As in, are you, I, you know, I, I would assume that you're not on target, but have you any idea, you know, what the what the loss of productivity has been as a result of COVID? To be fair, we've been quite lucky. We won a, a couple of big contracts throughout the year, which was a testament to the company itself um, through challenging times and, and the people that are working in, in the background doing lots of vital work that we were able to remain um, winning projects, which is which is always good to hear. Now, uh, projects have taken a, a slight hit, you know, uh, programs have been delayed, but ultimately people are still working and people, uh, I still have a job, everyone else has within John Paul Construction and the subcontractors itself, we're all still working. So programs in, in these challenging times can, they will take a hit and they will be pushed back, but clients have been very understanding and willing to work with us. And I guess through through what has been 2020, a very challenging year, everybody seems to be wanting to work together. So it has been a challenge and, yeah. and, and everyone acknowledges that, but but there is light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, no, and look, the the industry challenges and, and I think the project challenges are just well accepted uh, at this point. You know, we start the show by by reflecting on some of maybe the personal challenges experienced by people within the industry. And I know uh, Dermot Carey from the CIF talked about some of the CIF initiatives um, in terms of supporting 
your team through this? You know, what kind of measures have John Paul Construction put in place? So last year, we actually we we launched our own internal mental mental health health and wellbeing campaigns in early 2019. Um, it's something that we. Mm-hmm. We looked at and we, we we definitely needed to give it more focus. So it was something we launched internally and it was very well received amongst loads of other sporting activities and trying to encourage all sorts of activities for people that work with us. Now we, we did we've touched base with Leia. We we're linked up with Leia Healthcare. We have an employee assistance mm-hmm. program, which um, is excellent. Um, it's a mental well-being assistance program. We ran two online sessions over the course of yesterday for for our own staff about mental health and well-being with Leia, which is something that that um, has been very well received within our organisation. Now it's something we've obviously linked up, or the CIF have linked up with the Lighthouse Club, and I know Dermot spoke about that earlier on. But um, it's mm-hmm. it's something that we're trying to promote within the industry. It's something that's that's new and and fantastic service for for the construction personnel themselves and their yeah. families. So I suppose between all that, we're we're trying to promote what we have internally. We're trying to share knowledge with our subcontractors about these campaigns launched. We're sharing our, our own internal feedback or policies and procedures, and, and we're trying to get the message out there about mental health and well-being. And, you know, um, Eamon, just, I suppose, on the ground, but before we finish up today, I'd love to get a sense, because we know these initiatives exist. We know that uh, mental health has been part of the, the line for Construction Safety Week for the past five years. Um, on the ground, is it making a difference? Are you seeing the the culture shift form around this? I, Carol, I would. To be fair, I guess over the last three to four years, um, there's been quite a number of campaigns both launched nationally and internationally for mental health and people are starting to to shift their um, I guess perception of mental health and well-being and, and construction industry has been always perceived to be a very macho male dominated industry where people tend to keep their feelings to themselves and don't want to share anything but I've noticed a big shift um, I guess from our own side of things we have mental health first aiders on all of our sites. I probably would lead up that in, in relation to our own internal John Paul um, mental health people. <clears throat> we, we've we seen a lot of people coming to us now openly. Um, obviously, it's very it's very um, confidential and all that, but people are, are willing to um, talk to us now and they're willing to engage. And it's not just engaging at, you know, large gatherings where people have stand back People are now coming into the office um, where once it will be a mental or will be a first aid, maybe treatment. They're coming in to ask, you know, can we can you speak to the person? Because it's about building relationships with people, understanding when a person is is not feeling well um, and understanding maybe their characteristics and their behaviours and, and knowing when when to ask the question, are, are you OK? And a lot of the time you might get a, an answer that will say I'm fine. But there is times when a person and I've seen it. Quite, quite regularly now over the last couple of years that people are beginning to open up, which is fantastic to see. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm delighted to hear that because, again, all of these initiatives are important and, and Construction Safety Week is a really good opportunity to start the conversation, but the conversation needs to continue every day thereafter. Um, so it, it's always good to see how policies translate to people on, on the ground. Um, so I'm delighted to hear that. Um, so again, you know, I, I think that we're we're just starting into six difficult weeks and I would certainly love to touch base with you, you know, later in the year to see how your team have come through that period. But for now, um, that, that's all we have time for today. That was Eamon Kenny, uh, Regional EHS Manager at John Paul Construction. Thank you again for joining us, Eamon. 
Um, that's it from us today. Thank you for listening in to Property Matters on Dublin South FM. You can get in touch with the show on social media at iProperty Radio or by emailing the show at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Also, my thanks as always to Peter Rice on Sound and show producer Katie Tallon of Here Me Roar Media. We're back at the same time next week. From myself, Carol Tallon, and all the team here, stay safe.